Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Awesome. Uh, I've done all four messages already, and um, I'm excited over part three. So don't, don't, you don't want to miss part three. Let's review just a little bit for those who weren't here. We talked about Jonah, and we said that uh, Jonah, uh, during the times of Jonah, the Assyrians, uh, they had, uh, they would, uh, what they call, loot Israel ruthlessly at will. And Jonah did not want uh, Nineveh saved. Nineveh was one time the capital of Assyria. And he wanted them destroyed because of their ruthlessness and because of their looting of Israel and because they were one of the most hated people uh, basically because of their treatment of uh, prisoners of war. When they would capture somebody, they would just, they, they would be real, real cruel to them. And um, uh, you can imagine some of the things they did to their, their captives and uh, Jonah did not want uh, Nineveh saved at all. He wanted them destroyed. So as you uh, look at what we talked about last week, we talked about uh, that Jonah probably was a little prejudiced uh, against the Ninevites. And um, we also looked at the possibility of why would a person think that they could uh, flee from the presence of God. We went through Psalm uh, 139. Let's uh, go there uh, today, uh, Psalm 139, and, and just get one verse, verse 7. And it says, where can I go from your spirit? And, of course, the answer is implied, nowhere. Or where can I flee from your presence? And, of course, that's nowhere. Can you flee from the presence of God? Well, obviously, some people think they can flee from the presence of God. And some people even today think that they can um, hide from God. But I want to tell you that the lesson that God was trying to teach us and trying to teach Jonah, and is still going to try to teach Jonah, is that you cannot flee from the presence of God. God is everywhere. He knows where you are. He knows uh, <laughs> uh, when you're going to be where you are. He knows everything about us. So, therefore, and that's a good thing, uh, even though sometimes he may choose not to uh, reveal himself at some time, because sometimes we'll say, well, uh, well, why did the Lord allow this to happen, which is another issue. Now let's talk about today's message. Uh, we're talking about uh, what God wanted to teach Jonah is his sovereignty. God is sovereign. And as it relates to God, when we're talking about God and not uh, some king or queen or something like that, when we're talking about God, it tells us that God is in complete power. Complete power over all of creation. Not some of creation, all of creation. God is in complete power. And he exercised that power uh, with his will being uh, really 
His will is no one can no one can come against the will of God. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need in a finite will to uh, agree with him. His will is absolute. Simple as that. Total control. And let's go to Jonah chapter 1. And let's look there. And we ended on verse 3 last time. Let's just read verses, uh, start in verse 1 and go to verse 11. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, for some of you who didn't really um, see the map, let's put the map on that that, um, thing for the people. Now, we see what it it looks like. It looks like Jonah was going to go somewhere way over about, they say about 2,500 miles from where God wanted him to go. And so I don't know why Jonah thought that he could run. I really don't know. But it's like us going from Lynchburg to California to try to get away from God when God told us to go to Boston, Massachusetts. That's what we said last week. Now, that's that's, that's absolute crazy. How could a man think he's going to run and get from the presence of God. Let's pick it up in verse 4. Thank you for the map here. Can he really run? The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break. Now, it didn't say by coincidence a great wind came up. It says the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. So who's doing is this great wind? It's the Lord. The Lord says, you know, Jonah thinks he's going somewhere. He thinks he's going somewhere. But he's not going nowhere. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show him. He can't flee from my presence. So he sends this great wind. And the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid. And every man, it is a, a couple of them, every man cried to his God. And they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hole of the ship laying down and falling sound asleep. Now, to me, here's one miracle that here's a a great wind coming up. That's a miracle. Because it's a calm sea and here's this great wind come up. 
To me, it's another miracle. Here, this dude is sound asleep. And if the ship is about to break up, how can somebody be sound asleep? So the ship's about to break up. You know, this ship is going, I mean, it's, it's, it's all every which way, all over. How can somebody be sound asleep unless he was put to sound asleep? So this is my, this is my thinking now. Because anything wakes me up pretty much. And you know all this rocking and rolling and all this stuff. Most of us wouldn't stay asleep. Most of us wouldn't stay asleep. We know that Jesus was asleep uh, uh, in, in a storm. But here's this Jonah. He was sound asleep. So now here's an here's a interesting thing happened. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up. Call on your God. Now here's an here's a unsaved heathen telling this man of God to get up and pray. That's a miracle in itself, too. Yeah. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. So everybody, everybody is praying to their little small G to, to find out whether their small G going to help them get out of this storm. This captain tells Jonah, pray to your small G also. And he didn't know Jonah's small G was a big G. He didn't know that. Verse 7. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. That's another miracle. It's like rolling dice. It's like drawing cards. It's like pulling straws. It falls on Jonah. So God points out Jonah. They said to him, tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And then he says to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Wow. So he tells them, I serve the God who made this sea. This sea is is rowing and all like this. I serve the God who made the sea. And then the men became extremely frightened when he said that. And they said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you that a sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. Now we have an interesting situation here. Why, if God is sovereign, would God allow Jonah to get on the ship? 
why would he allow him to go thus far? Could not God have stopped Jonah from going to the sea? Getting on the boat? Could it be that God has a lot of things in his thinking and in his plan that goes beyond just Jonah and his what Jonah wants to do. See, sometimes we don't know God's purpose. God has a purpose other than to teach us something. He wants to teach a lot of people something in the same time. Who's learning something besides Jonah in this situation so far that we read? Yeah, the people on the boat. They're learning something. What are they learning? Yeah. <laughs> they're learning that uh, their liturgy does not stand a chance against Jonah's big G. They're learning that. And they're going to learn some other things pretty soon here. Has God ever done something like this in other times? Does God allow a person's will to go on against his will. Does he allow that? Yeah. He would like for us to choose his will, but he has given us free will, hasn't he? And he wants us to use that will to choose his will. But now, if we don't choose his will, if it goes against what he wants to happen to other people also, Sometimes he will direct us to change our will. Sometimes we might not want to change our will, but because of circumstances, we choose to change our will. Let's look at it in Exodus chapter 3. You remember the account of Moses um, when he was going, going to Pharaoh in, in, in uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 16, he told, this is God after the burning bush experience, he told Moses to go gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt and the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Prezzite and the Hivite and the Jebusites and the, to the land that's born with milk and honey. They will pay heed to what you say. And you, with the elders of Israel, will come to the king of, Israel, of Egypt and you will say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, so now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to our Lord, our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles which I shall do 
in the midst of it, and after that, he will let you go. I will grant the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be that when you go out, you won't go out empty-handed, but every woman shall ask of her neighbor and the women who live in her house articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters. Thus you will plunder the Egyptians. And let me ask you a question. In this situation, did God have to do all these miracles just to get Pharaoh to let his people go? Since he's sovereign, could he have not, when Moses first went and says, God says, let us go into the wilderness, could God have caused him to let him go? Absolutely. Absolutely. So why would God go through all this situation with Pharaoh like Pharaoh is some, his, his will is so important, his will is so great, he had to really do a lot to get Pharaoh to change his mind if he's sovereign. Well, see, God has a lot planned, doesn't he? Because we are still talking about that today. Of all the different miracles that God did in Egypt. He wanted the children of Israel to recall all these miracles that he did in Egypt so that they would obey him in the wilderness. God said that I hardened Pharaoh's heart, so he won't let you go because God wanted to do the miracles. He even called Pharaoh to chase after the Israelites because he wanted to do another lasting miracle in the Red Sea. We're still talking about that. God has plans that's, that's really interesting. Let's go a little bit further. In chapter 4 of uh, Exodus, let's go there for a minute. Chapter 4, verse 18. Interesting thing here for me is that it says, Then Moses departed and returned from Jephro, the father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go. Uh, that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt, and if they are still alive, and Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Now, Moses went, but something interesting happened. Let's look at verse 21. The Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, See that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let you go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Now let's go down a little further. Verse 24. Now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. The Lord sought to put Moses to death. Why would the Lord seek to put Moses to death? If the Lord has sent him 
to Egypt to bring his people out. You see, it says, then Zephorah, his, his, this is his wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. And she said, you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So then the Lord let him alone. Isn't that interesting? See, the background of it is that God has given Abraham a command of a covenant. What was the sign of the covenant? Circumcision. Now here's Moses going to Egypt. You're going to have to be in covenant. I have told you what to do. You have a son you have not circumcised. Why won't you circumcise your son? Well, sometimes we don't do what God says because of our mate. Now, I know that that doesn't happen in, in these days and times, but it did, with, it did with Moses. See, Zephora said a, a bridegroom of blood, you all, and she's the one who circumcised her son, but to save Moses' life. And I think Moses did not circumcise his son because of his wife. But God says that, hey, you're going to have to obey me. And so you refuse to obey me, you're not going to Egypt. You cannot do what I want you to do, and you're not, you're not keeping my commandment or my covenant. So therefore, I'm going to cause you to do what I ask you to do. God is very... Very sovereign, isn't he? So sometimes God causes things to happen in order for us to obey him. This is what's going on with Jonah. Let's go back to Jonah. See, Jonah would not obey God. Is there a time where sometimes we don't obey God? And you said, nothing like this ever happened to me. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So maybe not. See, sometimes we don't even know and we won't know until we, on that day, when he reveals all things, that, oh my, oh my, my, my. This is what could have been. And this is what I settled for. I think we settle for far less than what God has for us. I really do. And sometimes it's because we don't obey what God asks us to do. Let's look at verse 12. Jonah said to them, Pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rowed desperately to return to land. 
They didn't even pay any attention to Jonah. Jonah said, and they asked him, what, 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 what can they do? He said, pick me up and throw me in the sea. But they said, no, 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 no. We're going we're gonna to try to get, get, get back to the land here. Why would they do that, you think? Do you think that they maybe thought, said, well, hey, we can pick him up and throw him in the sea, but that's going to be murder. We're going to kill this dude. Let's try to get, to, let's try to get, get back to the sea first. Let's try to get back to the land. Uh, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. So God wasn't going to let them get back because God had a plan. And they would be, it would come against the plan of God if they got back to the land. Then they called on the Lord and said, that's a, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Here you have some ungodly men who was calling on their little bit of G. Now they are calling upon the big G. See, God has a lot on his mind when he's, when he's dealing with Jonah. He's dealing with these sailors. He, he's bringing a lot of people into knowledge of him. They said, we earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. And do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. Ooh-wee. Can you believe that? These are, these are heathens talking like this. I mean, sometimes Christians don't even talk like this. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. And can you imagine what happened to those men when that happened? See, see, they were praying to the Lord not to hold this, this murder against them since he's the God of, of the sea. And when they picked Jonah up and threw him in and the sea stopped, can you imagine they said, Oh, my. What Jonah said is right. This man said that he served the big G. And this big G is the God of the sea. Therefore, this is serious stuff here. We're going to stop serving our Luji, and we're going to serve the Lord God of of Jonah, we're going to serve the real God. You think God had that in mind anyway? It says that, listen to verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord greatly. Then, see after the sea stopped, the men feared the Lord greatly, not a little bit, greatly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. Not only did they make sacrifices, they made vows. They made vows to the Lord. My goodness gracious. God really used this situation to bring some people into believing in him. 
God wants to use all situations because he cares about all people. That's a miracle, isn't it? Verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish. I know all of us want to say a whale, but it says a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now that's a miracle itself, isn't it? Because now you tell me, you can Google it if you want to, but there are very few fish that can swallow a man whole. There are some sharks who can do that. Might be some whales that might be able to do that. There are very few people that can be swallowed whole. And suppose it was a flounder. Suppose it was a, you know, who said it was one of these whales or sharks or he said he appointed a great fish. Can the Lord make a a trout a great fish if he want to? God is a, God is God, isn't it? See, we have to we have to expand our thinking because we start thinking natural. What's all, what, what, in other words, we start thinking, well, what could swallow him? It had to be a whale. And so we start thinking, and you see all the pictures, and it looked like a whale, doesn't it? Because that's, that's the way we think. It had to be a whale. But it doesn't have to be a whale. He said a great fish. And it says that, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Now you tell me, who can survive in the stomach of a fish any length of time? Do you realize how, that a, 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 a digestive system with digestive juice, man, you're going to die unless it's a miracle. Unless it's a miracle, you're going to die. God is sovereign, isn't he? Can God keep a person alive in a, in a belly of a fish? In spite of the digestive juices? In spite of what else the fish might have eaten? This probably wasn't his only meal. He probably had some, something else to eat, too. My, my, my. We're going to pick it up here next week. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> you don't want to miss it. I'm telling you. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email cornerstonecom at comcast.net or call us at 434-847- 4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.